up with God for me is I'm one of those devotional girls. <laughs> And I keep my Bible very near and dear to my heart. And I not only enjoy spending time in God's Word, but then spending time with Him. And whether that's um, praying silently, if I have time alone, um, even I, I talk out loud sometimes to Him, just have a little little conversation like, wow, God, that was, that was good. That was just what I, I wanted to hear today. Thank you for that. And again, I'm sure it's, it's my age. I'm sure it's experiences I've gone through where I've depended on that time. I've watched my mom, who's now 97, spend time with him. So maybe there's a little generational piece to that as well, which I thank God for that. Um, but I definitely feel I need that. It, it's a, it sustains me. He definitely does meet me. It may not be at that moment, and sometimes it is. Like I say, sometimes I will just go, wow, God, that was, that was good. That was a good one. Or other times I may read it and I may be saying, God, I, I, I need something, or maybe I need more, or I'll come back tomorrow because um, you're here. Uh, I'm just maybe not in tune to hearing you right now. So, um, but I, I'm hanging on to you and I'm waiting when you're ready to show me what needs to be done. So it sometimes it's there, right there, and sometimes it's a long wait. Yep, but I know he's there. Well, thanks to Sweet Jan for sharing some thoughts with us about what it means to go up with the Lord. And again, thanks to you guys for being here today. Thanks to our visitors. If you haven't already, go by the I'm New table, pick up your, your goodies, and everybody else, I encourage you to go by the Next Steps table. Information about Bible study, service group, volunteer option. That's really the heart of West Bowls, how you can connect and make some great friendships. In Exodus 19.20, we read this. And the Lord came down on Mount Sinai, and the Lord called Moses to the top of that mountain, and Moses went up. That particular verse, it's not only the foundation of our current sermon series, Up. It is really the foundation, the hope, the great promise of Christianity as a whole. I want you to think about that with me for a second. Imagine if I told you right now that Pastor Nathan, uh, he was late in coming in to do the announcements because this morning he went up on the mountain. He was climbing on the hogback right behind this church. He was climbing up there. He, he, he put his boots on and he got his backpack on and he was climbing up to the top of that mountain because he was going to meet with the Lord. It was like, yeah, yeah, we don't believe anything special is going to happen. right? The weather today is supposed to be pretty nice. So what if we imagine as, he's, as we see the silhouette of this little guy I didn't mean that person, like just a little, little silhouette of a guy is what I meant, I swear to you. A little silhouette of a little guy climbing up the mountain. And what if suddenly clouds just rushed in, right? Smoke, thick clouds and smoke covered that mountain. And what if suddenly lightning and a loud trumpet blast echoed off of that mountain? Well, we would know something was up, wouldn't we? We would know something special is going on in that mountain. And what if Nathan told us, you know why I'm going up here? Because God wants to speak to me. Because God wants to meet with me. God wants to encourage me. I'm going to ask God questions and he's going to answer. I'm going to share frustrations with God and he's going to encourage. I'm going up there to be with the Lord. I mean, what would you say? What would you think? What would you do? If you're anything like me, I'd be like, shut up. Like, get out. I mean, that's just crazy. Like, God, big G God, like the man God, that God, he's meeting with Nathan right now on that mountain. I mean, Face to face, so close he could touch him, so close he could, he could see him. Really, I want that. I want to go up there. 
Because that's, that's the hope of Christianity. That's the great promise of Christianity. You have been invited up there. This isn't just a Moses thing. This isn't just a Pastor Nathan thing. This is a you thing. That's why Jesus went to the cross. He didn't die so you could pay up or show up or sign up or clean your act up. He died so you could go up. See, there was this once this great connection that humanity had with the Father, this life-giving relationship. Well, it was broken. It was destroyed because of sin. And Jesus said, you got to get back into that relationship. you got to experience God again in that way because that's how you have life now and forever. And so I'm going to go to the cross so I can remove every barrier that's ever stood between you and the Lord so you can be up there with him once again. Wow. Let's go up, church. Let's go up. That's what we were made for. It's what many of us long for. I hope that you've been experiencing God up on the mountain more and more as we've been going through this series. Because the intimacy, the friendship, the nearness that Moses had in that moment in Exodus 19, it's what we all can have. It's what we all can have. And one of the great responsibilities we have when we go up, in addition to lifting God up in praise and fessing up and sharing our, our shortcomings and our mistakes and our stupidity, in addition to eating up and feeding our souls through his word or praying up and, and telling God what we need and what we want, in addition to all those great responsibilities, we also get to listen up. Because God wants to hear from us, most certainly. But he also wants us to hear from him. That's what we're going to talk about this morning. I imagine a lot of us can relate in one way or another to the poor guy in the following video. Watch this. Thank you for calling Automated Background Check. Please state your name. Jason Gray. Hello, Jason. Please state the company where you are applying for work. Brown and Johnson Law Firms. What is the status of your employment there? Um, I've been promised I'll get a job as soon as I complete this background check. Excellent. Results of the background check will automatically be sent to your potential employer. We will now begin the background check. Have you ever been convicted of a felony, misdemeanor, or parking ticket? Um, I've gotten a parking ticket, but... Recorded answer, yes. Okay. Okay, but I haven't committed a felony or a misdemeanor. Next question. What? Did you hear what I said? Have you ever been convicted of money laundering, tax fraud, insurance fraud, or a parking ticket? <laughs> okay, only yes to the parking ticket. Recorded answer, yes. <laughs> but none of the other ones. Please select your marital status, single, married with children. Married with children. How many children? Two. Recorded answer, two indentured children. They are not indentured! <laughs> <sighs> Have you ever been convicted of murder or a parking ticket? <laughs> I'm not answering that. Recorded answer, guilty silence. What? <laughs> Who did you murder? Uh, how, do, how am I supposed to answer that question? Recorded answer, a politician. What? <laughs> I said question, not politician. Say yes if you are a college graduate. <sighs> yes. Or a serial killer. What? No! <laughs> Are you involved in any organizations, such as a church or fitness club? Yeah. Or a Ponzi scheme? <laughs> I imagine a lot of us have had a similar experience, right? Maybe not with that material, but something along those lines, right? English, two, back, no, zero, help, English, agent, ugh! Those automated messaging systems can be so frustrating, can they not? And if you haven't been frustrated or had a run-in with an automated recording system, you've probably had a run-in with Siri. 
Siri's little iPhone app that thinks she's all that in a bag of chips, right? But many of us have asked Siri a question or two, only to be thoroughly confused or frustrated by it. Let me show you a couple of my favorite examples. Uh, what can I help you with, Siri asks. Siri, I'm bleeding really bad. Can you call me an ambulance? From now on, I'll call you an ambulance, okay? Yeah, look at that later online. Okay, number two. Uh, what can I help you with, Siri asks. Play a good song. Sorry, I couldn't find, quote-unquote, a good song in your music. That's probably true on multiple levels, right, for some of us. But there's nothing more frustrating than having a message system or computer program totally misunderstand us. No, no, that's not what I was saying at all. Yet I wonder if God doesn't feel that same way when he tries to speak to us. I wonder if he doesn't say to us, man, you just, you're not understanding me at all. See, I like to think that I'm more in tune or a bit more intelligent than an automated messaging system, but I'm probably not, at least when it comes to hearing from the Lord. See, last week we learned that our God is a very talkative God. From the beginning of creation, where he literally speaks all things into existence, to the promise we looked at at Revelation 3, the end of time, the verse that says this, right? Look, I stand at the door and knock if you hear my voice. If you hear me when I speak to you, if you answer the door, I'll come in. We'll share a great meal together as friends. See, God is not silent. He's not mute. Our God is not tongue-tied. He is speaking and communicating with us all of the time. That's why the author of Hebrews says this, Hebrews 4.7, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Say that verse out loud with me. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Say it again. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Why would the author encourage you to listen up if God isn't speaking up? No, he wouldn't do that. God is speaking. God is communicating. God is trying to talk to every single one of us. And so the encouragement is to listen up. Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Listen. Listen to him. Jesus speaks about this very same thing. See, he's telling his disciples in John chapter 16 that his time on earth is about to come to an end. He's about to go back to the Father, go back to heaven, and he encourages his closest friends with these words. John 16, beginning in verse 12. There's so much more I want to tell you, he says, but you, just, you simply can't bear it right now. But when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but he will speak to you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That's why I said the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, he will tell you whatever he receives from me. See, Jesus makes it clear in this passage that although his followers are no longer going to hear his voice, they are still going to hear God's voice. They're no longer going to receive messages directly from Jesus, but now they're going to receive them directly from the Holy Spirit. God is still going to be communicating with them long after Jesus leaves the scene. And what's true for the disciples is also true for all of us. God speaks to us now in and through his Holy Spirit because there's so much more he wants to tell us. There's so much more we need to learn. There's so much more we need to figure out. And God says, I will tell you all those things. I will speak to you when the time is right through my Holy Spirit. I will communicate what you need to hear. 
But like Siri, I'm just afraid that many of us, we're missing it. We're messing it up. Like Siri, we're misunderstanding what God is trying to say. I'm, I'm afraid that when the Holy Spirit speaks to many of us, it's not coming in loud and clear. Like, no, 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 I said Tupperware, not underwear. Like, ah, one of those, right? And so this morning, I want to share with you the three messages that I think God typically has for his people. The three things that, that God typically wants to say to us. Now, I wrestled for a while with, with whether or not to do this week, next week, and next week, this week, because next week, we're going to talk about how to hear from the Lord, like how you position yourself, and, and not like this, that kind of position, anyway, um, but, but like what you do in order to hear from the Lord, and this week is, is what you will hear from the Lord, and I wrestled with like which, could, which should come first, but if you don't know what you're listening for, I don't think it really matters what you do. So I want to tell you now what you should be listening for, what God is trying to say to many of us, the three messages that he has spoken throughout time and probably wants to continue to speak to us now. Those three messages and words can be summarized in this way, affirmation, action, and admonishment. Let's start with affirmation. Uh, A friend told me a while back about a a little pickup game of baseball that him and his five-year-old son were playing in the backyard. And the son said, Dad, before we begin the game, there's only two rules, two rules today in this game. Dad was like, okay. He says, rule number one, I get to swing as many times as I want. And rule number two, every time I swing, you have to say, wow, son, you're awesome. <laughs> just two rules, Dad, just two rules. But we all need affirmation from time to time, don't we? We all need to be encouraged from time to time. I came across a great, a great quote that says it well. Flatter me, I may not believe you. Criticize me. I may not like you. Ignore me, I may not forgive you. But affirm me, and I'll never forget you. And our great God, he knows full well our need for affirmation. He knows that we need to have courage placed inside of us to be encouraged. And so he says words over and over and over again to us of affirmation. It saddens me so much that, that people think if God were to speak, a big if for a lot of people, if he were to speak to me, it's probably a word of reprimand or rebuke. If he were ever to say something to me, it's probably about how disappointed he is in me or how frustrated he is with me. If he were to speak, he'd bring up my past or talk about how, how mad he is or how apathetic I have been or how, how uh, you know, distracted I have been. No, no. Not if, but when God speaks to you, He has a word of affirmation. That's what he wants to say to you. When God speaks, he often has a word of encouragement. Let me me show you why I believe this to be true. This isn't going to be news to many of us who have read the Bible before or or been to church for a while. but, But Jesus, during the course of his earthly ministry, encountered a lot of difficult people and a lot of difficult situations. I mean... Being personally responsible for the salvation of the world, it comes with its fair share of bumps and bruises, does it not? Well, but there are two moments. As I read through the scripture, there are two situations that were more difficult for Jesus and more significant for Jesus than any other in his entire ministry. And in both of those moments, these two critical moments in his life, the Lord had a word of affirmation. Matthew 3. In Matthew 3, Jesus has just been baptized. This is a beautiful moment, right? He is showing that he wants to do what is right. He wants to connect himself to the Lord in even greater ways. It's in this moment that Jesus is about to begin his public ministry. No more carpentry, no more kind of average Joe guy. Now he's moving into what he came to do. 
He's moving into ministry. And after this moment, he's going to go head to head with the devil out in the desert. It's right after his baptism that he goes toe to toe with the evil in this world. And it's in that moment, right when he's baptized and right when something significant is about to happen, it's in that moment that God says this. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. So that's critical moment number one, the beginning of ministry, a battle with Satan. That's critical moment number one. And in that moment, Jesus hears a word of affirmation from his father. The second most critical moment happens when Jesus is about to go to the cross. There, there comes a point in his ministry where Jesus is a man on a mission, and he looks straight at Jerusalem and straight at the cross. He says, everything I'm about to do now is leading to that moment. And it's right before he makes that decision, it's right before he makes this commitment to go to the cross that we read these words, Matthew 17, 5. While Peter is still speaking, a bright cloud covered them, and a voice from heaven said, this is my son, whom I love. With him, I'm so pleased. Listen to him. You see, on both of these occasions, two of the most important moments in Jesus' life, he receives a word of affirmation. He's about to enter into and experience unprecedented resistance, unprecedented pain, frustration. And in those moments, God didn't speak a word of instruction. Okay, Jesus, here's what we got to do. First this, then this, then this. It's not a word of instruction. In that moment, it's not, a, it's not a word of motivation. All right, Jesus, get out there and kick some tail. It's not a word of motivation. It's not a word of compensation. All right, Jesus, if you will do this for me, great will your reward be in heaven. It's not instruction. It's not motivation. It's not compensation. It's affirmation. It's a word of affirmation. I love you. I'm devoted to you. And I take great delight in you. And those words, those words that he spoke to Jesus in that moment are words that I think he wants to speak to many of us in this moment. He's devoted to you. He loves you. And he takes great delight in you. And you need to notice these words of affirmation, they do not come after Jesus has accomplished things. They don't come after he has been successful or after he has this great following. It's not as if God says after the, the raising of Lazarus or the feeding of the 5,000, hey, check out my boy right there. He's awesome, isn't he? He says these affirming words of love and devotion and delight. He gives those words before anything significant has even happened, before he enters into this. That's because God doesn't love you because you do things for him. God doesn't love you because you're so passionate about him. God doesn't delight in you because you accomplish great things, because you make a great name for yourself. He doesn't, doesn't devote himself to you because you're so good at prayer or because you come to church three times a month. He's devoted to you before you ever do anything. He loves you regardless of what you do. He's so proud of you despite what situation looks like right now. And so the word of affirmation comes to you before anything has even happened. And in my opinion, that's how the Lord got through what he got through. He was able to go through ministry. He was able to go through the desert. He was able to go through the cross because of those words of affirmation. Because he heard from the Lord. And I think that many of you in this room right now, the only way you're going to get through what you're going through is to hear a word of affirmation. You need the Lord to speak to you in affirming word. 
that stay-at-home mom that doesn't feel like she's doing very good at being a mom or taking care of the home, the one who doesn't feel like she's doing anything very well at all, you need to hear the Lord say to you, you're my daughter, I love you, I'm so proud of you, I'm so pleased with you. And that high school kid, that college kid who's like struggling to stay pure, to stay faithful to the Lord, feel like he's the only Christian in the whole school who's about to be overcome with temptation. The Lord's going to speak to you right now this affirming word. I love you, son. I'm so proud of you. I'm so pleased with who you are. To that widow or that, that widower, that person that feels like they don't, no one sees them, no one knows them, no one cares about them, no one knows what they're going through, you need to hear right now this affirming word. The Lord says to you, I love you. I see you. I'm so pleased with you. Man, I thought the waterworks were done after first service. Cripes. <laughs> to that person that had just the worst past, that looks back and hates what their dad did to them or hates how their mom ditched them to that person who feels like they're so jaded and they're so mad right now. You need to hear a word of affirmation. The Lord loves you. He delights in you. He's so proud of you. Hearing God say those words is what will get you through the most difficult of situations. To make it through the dilemma or the decision or the disease or the death that many of us are facing, you've got to hear a word of affirmation or else you're never going to make it through. So I need you to listen up because an affirming word is exactly the word that God has for many of you. Another word that he has for many of us is this, take action. Take action. I love the words of Will Rogers as it pertains to action. Even if you're on the right track, you're going to get run over if you just sit there. And that's why our God, more often than not, when he speaks, he is saying something that's designed to propel us into action. God's messages require our movement. Let me give you a great example of this in Acts chapter 8. It says this, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Candake, which means the queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to the chariot, stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot, heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading, Philip asked? How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and to sit with him. In this passage, see, God is speaking directly through the Holy Spirit. I don't know if you picked that up, but through the Holy Spirit, just like he promised, he's speaking to one of his followers named Philip. And he tells Philip more or less to, to get out of here, like go out into this road. And then he tells Philip later on, okay, get up into the chariot, go. And as a result of taking action, as a result of hearing the voice of the Lord and then taking action, this Ethiopian eunuch ends up getting in, getting in the water to be baptized. You see, Philip heard a word from the Lord, a word of action, a word of motivation, a word of movement, and he, he acted accordingly, and the Ethiopian eunuch ends up knowing the Lord. And being baptized as a result. 
And that message that God had for Philip, it was a message of action. It was a message intended to motivate and to move him. And it's a message that God has spoken over the years. Let me give you a couple of examples. Noah, build. Moses, take off your shoes. Peter, shut up. Mary, or Joseph, Mary, Mary. Abraham, go. Abraham, take Isaac up. Abraham, don't you dare touch that boy. Right? These are all words of action. God wants his people to hear him so they can be sent into movement. And he's still speaking that same way to us today. Sometimes God is telling people today to call a certain person. Go over and befriend and say hello or start a conversation with a certain person. Maybe God is, is telling you to give money to a certain ministry or to pray for a certain situation. Maybe God is telling you to put the iPhone down. Pick the good book up. Maybe God is telling you to seize the opportunity, sacrifice more, give that person a second chance, step out in faith and do something you've never thought possible. He's probably speaking a word of action to you. The question is, are you taking action? Are you moving and are you in movement as a result of his message? So regardless of what God says to you, the point and the goal is the same. Take action. I love how Martin Luther, the great theologian, said it this way. The true living faith, which the Holy Spirit instills into our heart, it simply cannot be idle. It cannot just sit still. It has to be in movement. So don't just sit there, church. Do something. God is speaking to us in the hopes that we all will do something. And we could just start like acting and start doing things, but why don't you wait till you hear from him? Listen to him, and he'll have a word of action, a word telling you to do something. I'm excited to see how that turns out. In addition to affirmation and action, something else God typically gives to us is a word of admonishment. Admonishment is a big fancy word for caution or for correction. Now, typically when we hear someone giving us a word of caution or a word of correction, we immediately get defensive, don't we? We're like, oh, yeah, you don't know who I am. How dare you tell me what to do? But that's not how it is with the Lord. When he admonishes us, he's not saying it in a kind of, you better do this or else. When God cautions us or, or corrects us, he's not doing it like a, like a nun back in Catholic school with a ruler right above your hands. Just mess up. Just mess up. That's not how God corrects us. That's not how he cautions us. His words of admonishment are always words of protection, notification, alteration, and correction. They're always clothed in wisdom. They're always clothed in love. It was Rapunzel's uh, evil mother, or not mother, but stepmother, or whatever, kidnapped mother, I don't know what you would call her. It was that woman in Rapunzel's life who said, mother knows best. Well, God knows best. And when God speaks to you, it's because he knows what's best for you. And he's trying to correct you. He's trying to caution you from making a mess of that. But we seldom hear these words, right? We seldom hear words of admonishment. Words of admonishment to us sound like the words of this counselor to this woman. Watch this video. I think you'll get a kick out of this. Tell me about the problem that you wish to address. Oh, okay. Uh, well, I have this fear of being buried alive in a box. I just, I start thinking about being buried alive and I begin to panic. Has, has, has anyone ever, ever tried to, to bury you alive in a box? No, no, but 
truly thinking about it does make my life horrible. I mean, I can't go through tunnels or be in an elevator or in a house, anything boxy. So what, what you're saying is you're, uh, you're claustrophobic. Uh, yes. Yes, that's it. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, let's go, Catherine. I'm, uh, I'm going to uh, say two words to you right now. I, I want you to listen to them very, very carefully. Then I want you to take them out of the office with you and incorporate them in, into your life. Well, shall I uh, write them down? Well, it, if it makes you comfortable, it's just two words. Most we find most people can uh, can remember them. <laughs> okay. You ready? Yes. Okay. Here, here they are. Stop it! <laughs> I'm sorry. Stop it! Stop it! Yes. S T O P. New word. IT <laughs>
There was other times where steam came out of my dad's nostrils, but not, not then. So I just thought this was so cool. And so I went over to touch it. My dad's like, be careful, son. That's hot. And so being the really mature, obedient, respectful son that I am, I didn't listen to him, and I went over and touched the steam. I just put my hand right in it. I'm like, ow! That hurt! I look at my dad as if it was his fault. My dad's like, I told you it was hot. And I was like, you didn't tell me it was that hot. As if you needed to give me a, a, a percentage, right, or a temperature gauge to explain that. But that's how we are with the Lord. When it comes to correction, when it comes to a word of caution, it's, it's like we have selective hearing with the Lord, isn't it? It's like we, we, we develop this, uh, this, this deaf ear to it. It's like, oh, what's that you said, Lord? Oh, okay, here you're all going through a tunnel. Bad reception. Click. Like, whew. Let's get back to affirmation and action, shall we? This admonishment thing, yeah, I'm just not hearing that. But I don't respect a God who doesn't warn the people that he loves. I don't respect a God that doesn't tell people, I know better than you, and because I want better for you, I'm going to correct you. I'm going to change your course if it's not the best thing for you. If you had a loaded gun in your hand and your parent said nothing, that parent does not love you. But if the parent loves you, they will speak corrective words over you. They will speak cautionary words over you. And that's exactly what our Lord does for us. And so right now, God is probably trying to speak to us a word of admonishment. For some of us, it's by bringing certain things out into the light, painful things that you don't want in the light. He's bringing it out into the light so you can stop living in the darkness. Sometimes God admonishes us by taking away certain treasures so we'll finally make him our great treasure. Sometimes God admonishes us uh, through the life and example of somebody else. Like, don't do what I did. This is how it turns out. and It's not good. Sometimes God admonishes us by, getting, by letting us have a little taste of the sourness of sin and its consequences so that we will not develop a taste for it. The Father loves you too much to just let, their, let you sit there and hurt yourself. And again, I'd be worried about a God who didn't say anything. A loving parent will warn. A devoted friend will correct. A great God will admonish. And although uh, those words of God, right, they come sometimes and we, they, they feel so harsh, they're not. They're set in love. They're clothed in his wisdom. They're clothed in his desire for you to experience the best. And so when he speaks those words, they're designed to correct our course, reverse our patterns, show us what is best, to ask us to make a greater commitment to him, to wake us up from spiritual slumber, to show us what is real. We're going to talk about this more in the weeks to come. But when it comes to listening to the Lord, it means you are listening to messages you not only want to hear, but also listening to messages that are sometimes very hard to hear. But that's what it means to listen to the Lord. So when it comes to going up, one of the great invitations we've been given not just that in and of itself to go up but when we go up we get to listen up and i pray that this week in your life you will have an opportunity to do just that that you will listen to the lord that you will hear a word of affirmation a word of action or a word of admonishment because when you hear from him you're never the same again let me read these words over you and pray them over you we'll call it a day be careful hebrews 12 25 says that you do not refuse to listen to the one who is speaking for if the people of Israel did not escape when they refused to listen to Moses, this earthly messenger, we will certainly not escape if we reject the one who speaks to us from heaven. 
So be careful and listen to the one who is speaking. Let me pray that over you. God, you are a great God, and we believe that you are speaking, even now, to each and every one of us. If we would just tune our ears to heaven, we would hear a word from you. This week, I pray you will affirm those who need to be affirmed, that like Jesus, you will speak a message of love and delight and pride, that you will tell them that you are so committed to them and so proud of them. Lord, help folks in this audience this week to hear that word directly from you. There are those in this room who need to hear a word of action. They need to be propelled into movement. They need to step up and step out and do something. And I pray they will hear that word from you and they will be courageous enough to do it. And there are many in this room, Lord, who need to hear a word of admonishment, a word of caution, a word of correction. Would we hear that word humbly? Would we trust that you truly do know what is best? Would we submit to you so we can experience life abundantly? Thank you for speaking. Help us to listen. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you guys for being here. Don't forget on your way out, a dollar in the bin. We also have some great uh, Lent um, uh, devotional books out there for you. So if you would, grab one of those books, take it home with you, read it over the next couple of weeks. Uh, don't forget Town Hall in about five minutes right in here. We'd love to have you here about what's going on in the church. God bless you guys. Be strong and courageous. Thanks for being here.